Hello, welcome to Inverticast. I, of course, am Leah from Inverticast, but you also might know me from Tarantulia. Um, and today uh, I am going to be discussing uh, the differences between wild caught and captive bred species of invertebrates. Um, so hopefully I can help answer some questions for everybody and let's get the ball rolling. So firstly, I'll discuss uh, what it means for an invertebrate to be captive bred. Uh, basically that means that it is a specimen of invertebrate like a tarantula or um, you know, like a assassin bugs or whatever that have already been in captivity and then they have been bred to continue the captive bred or the species in the hobby essentially. And a wild caught specimen is one that somebody had gone into its natural habitats and collected it and then sold it into the hobby. So that is wild caught specimen. Um, so some of the topics that range on this on this particular topic is, you know, is it good for wild caught to be introduced and brought into the hobby, or is it better to leave them into the in the wild? Um, so if anyone has any questions, feel free to toss them in the comments. I will happily answer those questions, and you might even get your comment highlighted. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> First and foremost, when everybody, when, when you think of wild caught specimens, most people think of, you know, conservation. And that for me, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is wild caught specimens are not really, um, they're just, they're not very conducive to uh, conservation of that species, that particular species in the wild. A really great example of this is um, in the tarantula world, the Postlotheria metallica, um, which comes from India. It comes from actually a very small part of Sri Lanka. And because of the over capturing, like over collecting and, and over um, catching them from the wild and stuff, they're now on like less than 100 specimen in the wild which is really bad for that ecosystem and that environment. Um, so that also means that, you know, that, that, that specific species of tarantula now has a, a far less chance of actually surviving in the wild and like continuing that bloodline. Now, on the other hand, some, some wild caught specimen can be good in the hobby because it is able to keep bloodlines kind of fresh and, and inbreeding shouldn't be as much of a problem um, so long as there's, you know, sometimes wild caught specimen. We also have seen that when we get imports of wild caught specimens, uh, sometimes we also get, you know, species of, of tarantulas and inverts that we weren't actually expecting in those imports. A uh, really great example of this is the Cereopagus, uh, I believe it's the Cereopagus areotibialis. Um, this was a species that was previously mostly unknown to the hobby, and one, they were sending in, you know, Kilobrachis lividum or Cereopagus lividum um, and other Kilobrachis species. And this, 
you know, Seriopagus areotibialis appeared and it was very confusing. But since then, it has become a very, very popular specimen species in the hobby. Um, with that being said, there are plenty of captive bred specimen obviously available now. Um, you can get plenty of captive bred spe uh, specimens from all, all spectrums of the invertebrate world. However, wild caught specimens do help to kind of keep the bloodlines diversified and not so inbred, if you will. Um, I am an advocate for captive bred specimens. I definitely am not super thrilled about having wild caught specimen in my collection. It's something that I definitely try to avoid um, at you know, at pretty much all cost. If I do believe that there is a wild caught specimen that is available and stuff, I, I typically won't purchase that specimen. I won't, you know, I won't actually purchase that. So let me know what you guys think. Does anyone uh, who is watching currently, do you have any wild caught specimens in your collections? And if you do, have you noticed if there's like a difference between them and your captive bred specimen? That's kind of leading into our next topic here is that a wild caught specimen is not going to be quite as like docile and, uh, you know, used to humans as a captive bred specimen will be. Um, <laughs> the pet discarded. I appreciate that, Simon. He says, I would shoot anyone that brought in wild caught specimens that are already established in captivity. I, I completely agree with this, um, mainly because, you know, in the name of conservation, as I've said before, like the more people are entrenching on those natural habitats of these specimens, the more people are going in there, the more they're going and capturing these species and, and tarantulas or, uh, you know, Madagascar hissing cockroaches, for example, uh, then the more that that habitat starts to disappear. So we're losing a lot of natural habitats in the whole world um, just from deforestation and farming and, and you know, agriculture and those kinds of things. As, as people, as our populations grow, the forests and the wildlife tend to disappear. And unfortunately, that's really, really bad for a lot of reasons, um, like the climate. Um, another really great example of that would be the Great Barrier Reef, um, because it was over touristy and just overpopulated, and the water's temperatures were rising, it completely bleached out that uh, coral reef. And so because of that, that loss of habitat, it had worldwide effects. Um, oh, this is a great question from Carrie. Um, she says, how does brown boxing and the selling wild caught specimen affect pricing of legitimate captive breads? Um, this is actually a really, really great question because again, there have been uh, certain like dealers and breeders who have had like wild caught uh, specimen come into the hobby. Um, and because of that, sometimes they do sell them at a, at a lower price. Um, and so that affects the overall hobby because then those captive bred specimens are too expensive for some people. And so they might look at those wild caught specimen as something that they would appreciate more because it's a little cheaper price. But if you're doing your research and 
you know, you're really understanding what that species is and where it comes from and all those things, uh, then it's much, much safer and much better to get those wild caught, you know, not, not to purchase the wild caught specimen, if you will. Wild caught are brought in by greedy vendors that want to make more money instead of making the efforts to breed them. I agree, Simon, absolutely. The Mantis Garden, um, that is a very good point. I also agree with this. Um, some people think that it's much easier to just, you know, uh, like where I live here in Colorado, uh, we do have a species of tarantula that is native to this region. Um, it's known as the Afana palmahensi, also known as the Texas brown or the Oklahoma brown. Um, this is a really cool tarantula, but it is a very slow-growing tarantula. So captive-bred specimen of this species typically are sometimes kind of hard to find only because it is such a slow-growing species. It takes at least five to six years for a specimen to mature if it is a female and close to three to four years uh, if it's a male. And even then, there's no guarantee of a captive-bred egg sac. And so what that means is possibly poachers can go out and collect a specimen or two and then sell those at a lower rate because they didn't put in a whole lot of time to breed that particular species. Also, with wild-caught specimen, and this is the mantis garden, you make an excellent point, you're not going to know what you're getting from the wild. So wild-caught specimens tend to, um, sometimes they have parasites or like like nematodes or mites and stuff. And so if you bring that into your collection, you could be infecting the rest of your collection with that same parasite. It is incredibly uh, difficult to prevent nematodes um, simply because it's it's just not it's not preventable. We can't really see nematodes. They're not, it's not like you can, you know, detect them by the time that you do detect them, it's too late. Um, so usually, <laughs> usually that's, it's a death sentence for, for a collection. I've, so I've heard of, um, like people losing almost half of their entire collection due to parasites from like wild caught specimens. So again, that's kind of a downfall of the wild caught specimens. Um, definitely not, not wonderful, <laughs> obviously. Also wild caught specimen, like I said, they're going to be a little more wild. So they'll probably be a little more spicy. They're going to have much more of an attitude. Um, when I first got into the hobby, my personal experience with wild caught specimen was with a, uh, Euphobetus uh, marinus, also known as the skeleton leg tarantula. And the specimen that I got was just absolutely spicy and hated people and just, you know, I, I don't want to personify the tarantula too much, um, but this particular specimen, she was just very, very feisty and incredibly unhappy and stressed. And so because she was that wild-caught specimen, um, I ended up actually losing her a little earlier than I had anticipated. Although I didn't know how old she was. I didn't know like what she had been eating before. You know what I mean? There's no guarantee on the health of that, of that tarantula. Um, just 
because they're wild caught and you don't know. You don't know how long they've lived there. You don't know how old they are. Um, and so, yeah, it could be very, very difficult to be able to map that out. Like tarantulas don't show their age like we do. And any invert for that matter, they don't really show their age like we do. I mean, when they're young, we know that they're young because they're small. Um, but as far as like adult tarantulas, no, and adult inverts in general, like we, we can't, you can't have, you can't really have an estimate of how old they really are. Um, like I said before, uh, wild caught specimens though can be uh, detrimental for a lot of reasons. Um, like those those parasites, the you know we don't know exactly how old they are, where they come from, um, and it also is really detrimental to their natural habitat. Um, and there have been many many controversies over the years, um, especially in like the tarantula hobby. I know that in the UK there was a lot of controversy that surrounded uh, what species was that? Nat was telling me all about it, but. Here in the U.S., there was a major controversy actually within the last five years about the Typhoclena celadonia um, or the T. celadonia or Brazilian jewel, as a lot of us know it. Um, and what had happened was Brazil claimed that the person who imported the T. celadonia uh, didn't follow through with the proper channels. They didn't have the proper permits. Um, and all of those things. Fortunately, that has all been cleared up, and it's it's not quite as big of a controversy now as it was, um, because that person who did import them was able to clarify everything, and you know they were able to you know go through the proper channels and show that paperwork and and prove that they were not in the wrong, which is really great for them. Um, but in other cases where if that kind of um, accusation comes upon another breeder and something that can be a complete and total death sentence to that person's career. Uh, so that's another thing to consider with it when it comes to wild-caught specimen. Also, because of the T. celadonia controversy, Brazil has uh, become a lot more like Australia and they have tightened up their restrictions as far as um, you know, what animals can be exported and what animals cannot be exported. So that is another thing that that plays a pretty large factor into the hobby and kind of where it is. Um, so captive bred specimens typically, I feel, are, they're worth the price. If they are a little more expensive than those wild caught guys, then they're worth that price because you're not only you're not only going to be paying for a wonderful specimen that you know you know is going to be healthy it's not going to have those parasites i mean the chances of it are a lot a lot lower um but you're also going to get a specimen that you can grow with i know a lot of people who kind of come into the hobby and they're super new to it um and the last thing they want is a sling and i totally understand that because slings are so tiny but with getting like juveniles and sub-adults again from from reputable breeders that's actually going to work in their benefit because again they can grow with that tarantula and they can learn with that tarantula and <laughs> keep keep going as far as that goes whereas wild caught specimen that's it's not really going to be like that most likely it's going to be an adult that 
um, is already at its full size and spicy behaviors and it's not going to be acclimated to being in captivity like captive bred specimens are. Um, so well, I recommend staying away from wild caught specimens. Uh, leave that to the breeders because they are the ones who are helping the hobby grow and continue uh, continue flourishing, keeping those species alive. Um, I do also, like I mentioned before, with the Postlotheria metallica, uh, that specimen, that species is thriving wonderfully in the hobby. I mean, pretty much any exotic pet show or any exotic animal um, dealer here in the States, like a reptile you know, store or something like that, you will probably find a Postlotheria metallica. They're, they're pretty common in the hobby. They're still a little expensive. I have seen some of them being sold for $250 for a spiderling. Um, and obviously, like, uh, you know, the, the older they get, like, the, the price goes up a little bit just because they are uh, much larger and there's been more time dedicated to that specific specimen. Um, but yes, captive bred is much, much better for the hobby um, all around for sure. Also, it's much, much better for conservation. I know this is something that a lot of people preach, you know, conservation. What, is, what does that actually mean? Well, conservation means that, like I said before, the more people that are venturing into the native habitats, um, then the more those natural habitats are going to disappear. A really great example of that is Sri Lanka and India. The, the specimen that have been captured and, and brought into the hobby, they over, over capture them and overcapitalize on that. And then they bring them into the hobby and um, those specimen, you know, they do well, but their natural habitat doesn't anymore. Tarantulas have a very important and key uh, role in nature. They are part of the ecosystem and the part that they play is actually they um, are like population control for other invertebrates. So if you have too many of one invert that say eats, eats uh, foliage, you know, eats leaves and whatnot, tarantulas actually help to keep them, uh, their populations lower. So you're not going to have as much of that foliage disappearing and stuff from that invert that eats the foliage. Here we have cat, you know, uh, caterpillars and hornworms, um, things like that that will like just devour plants. And without spiders that catch them and kill them and eat them, then we would have no foliage. And that is again bad news for that natural habitat. Let's see the mantis guardian. Um, yes. Carrie asked, um, let's see, are wild caught more likely to have parasites and how does that risk affect your collection? Yes, wild caught definitely have a higher chance of having those parasites. Um, and the parasites, unfortunately, can be very, very difficult to control and to manage. Um, and so, yeah, like entire collections can be wiped out pretty quickly just due to that fact. Um, yeah, so, and then the mantis garden says, let's see, I've seen tubs of mantis myth, myths come in from African with different species in them. 
And and that's another invert that definitely can suffer from that wild caught uh, habit, you know, that poachers might have and stuff is, is mantises, Um, which, and it's totally, it's honestly unnecessary, you know, like here in the States, we have fear not tarantulas. We have, uh, you know, micro wilderness and um a few others like even even rubber ducky isopods who we've had on the channel before um their their specimen are all captive bred or at least most of them are there are some instances that are like the wild caught does come in like i know micro wilderness every now and then will have some wild caught specimen but again, they're only doing it to make sure that they diversify that bloodline of those specific species, um, because keeping them that bloodline diversified actually helps also reduce the chances of bad molts and uh, parasites, all of those things. So it's really, really better, <laughs> better for the hobby, better for the world and our environment for captive bred to be the way to go. Um, Another great example of how this can affect the ecosystems where you live. I live here um, in Denver, Colorado. And recently uh, we had a major problem of deer being overpopulated. And unfortunately deer are, they're not the brightest animals in the world and they want to cross highways and stuff. And so, they get run over by trucks or they get hit by cars and, and things like that. And so it can be uh, pretty disastrous for those creatures. Um, but recently, because of the deer overpopulation, which also leads to disease within those colonies or those packs of deer um, and it, it, overeating, like so the deer will overeat and over uh, overrun the the foliage and the plants that are all throughout their natural habitat. And the reason why they were overpopulating and doing all of those things was because there weren't a whole lot of natural predators to reduce the amount of deer uh, that are taking over the habitats, right? We do have mountain lions and black bears, but they can only do so much. So Colorado reintroduced wolves. Um, They reintroduced wolves into the natural habitat of the wolves and those wolves have now helped the deer populations kind of simmer down and now we our foliage is also coming back we're having more trees we're having better uh better ecosystem the air is a lot more clear because of those plants because they are given that chance to thrive everything kind of works in a balance in ecosystems and so because of that over poaching and over collecting some of these wild specimen is can be very detrimental to those natural habitats and deer and wolves are a really great example of that but when we're talking about invertebrates obviously it's going to be much smaller scale than that but it still has as big of an impact as those deer and wolves do so yeah so let's see let me go to some comments here <laughs> okay so it looks like you guys are talking with one another. That's wonderful to see. I love that. If anyone has any other questions, please feel free to top, pop, pop them on in there. Um, but there 
typically is uh, a lot of like controversy around brown boxing and wild caught specimen entering into the hobby. Uh, most people in the hobby, I do believe, kind of look down on that and are not super fond of those of that those kind of practices. Um, like I said, they are very very bad for the environment. Like, let's say uh, another really good example of this is when wild caught specimen do come into uh, an environment that is not native to them or is not normal to them. A really great example of that is Florida. So <laughs> the, the state of Florida here in the United States, uh, they actually are having at this moment a, a pretty big issue with Burmese pythons that are overrunning the Everglades. And so because of that, these very large, very, you know, incredible, beautiful snakes, of course, um, are overrunning the, the natural habitats of, of Florida. And so that means there's more competition for the alligators that also live there. There's more competition for other predators that are going to prey on the same prey that the Burmese pythons do. Um, and so we're going to see, you know, the effects of that. So gators, alligators are not going to have as great of a chance of survival um, because that Burmese python is just running them up. Um, and we're also seeing a loss of green anoles um, in Florida, or brown anoles, because green anoles somehow were released and they are an invasive species. And again, there's too much competition for the food that they need and their uh, sustenance. Um, and so because of that, we're seeing a loss of that natural specimen in, in the Florida Everglades. So those brown anoles, they're a little bit smaller than green anoles. They're not equipped to have that kind of competition. Um, so unfortunately, they they are now like an endangered species. And um, we could very well see an extinction event with the brown anoles because of green anoles. And I'm not saying that every green anole that's in Florida was a wild-caught specimen. This, this also leads to another thing of irresponsible pet owners who, you know, for whatever reason, they feel that they can't take care of this animal anymore and or they don't want it or maybe they were scared off for some reason. Um, and so they release them into the wild, which is really, really bad. That's actually a pretty big mistake. So if if that ever does occur and say, you know, you have some hissing cockroaches and they have reproduced so much that you cannot like take care of so many of them the best thing to do is to find is to find um, a rescue nearby or like even a pet store like the exotic reptile pet stores they will help uh they will take on that specimen and help help you be rid of it but also not allow it to overrun the native native territories in your area which is much better. <laughs> All right. Let's see you guys. I love it. Thank you guys so much for for commenting. I really appreciate it. Shady thing, hello and the mantis garden. You guys are all wonderful. So Carrie also says that I read in a chat that someone only bought from large corporation pet stores because she thought it ensured that it wasn't wild caught. Is that an accurate thought? 
Unfortunately, it is not an accurate thought. Um, a lot of the big chain pet stores um, sometimes will have uh, a wild caught specimen. I know here in the States, we have like Petco and PetSmart. Um, and I don't recommend going to them for your invertebrate needs or your reptile needs, uh, only because they typically will have imports that are wild caught specimen. And so for the overall thrivability or like the life of that specimen is not going to be as great as it was if they were in the wild. Um, that's just part of their natural natural way so <laughs> so stop making it i'm you know i'm not failing i'm doing all right you guys <laughs> um anyhow. yeah so so those big chain pet stores um they don't always go through captive bread channels um and most of the time when they do have invertebrates in uh they are wild caught specimen i know right now uh mexico is also working on becoming a lot more effective as far as like tightening their belt with imports and exports um, because the brachypelma species uh, that are native to Mexico um, are starting to become more and more endangered. And so, uh, which also means that prices of even captive bred specimen here in the States are going to go up just because of that rarity, and that endangered uh, status of that specimen. So it's it's not great for the hobby. It's definitely not good for the environment um, or their natural habitats. And it's not good for those specific specimen, for sure. <laughs> you guys are so funny. I'm sorry, I'm not caught up on the comments. But so basically to sum up, wild caught specimen are only reasonable uh, or justifiable, honestly, when it comes for the breeders and the main dealers and stuff who have, you know, their specimen of that that particular species and that wild-caught specimen that they bring in actually helps to diversify the bloodlines. As I said before, it makes make sure that those bloodlines are pure and they're kind of clean, and it helps to prevent, you know, uh, deformities and uh, like egg sacs not being quite as good as they could be. Um, so try to avoid wild caught specimens as much as you can, you guys, and always go with captive bred. I am a, I'm definitely a advocate for captive bred um, specimen, mainly because of that reason. Uh, conservation is such a huge thing in this world today. Um, if you think about it too, if you could just go out in your backyard and collect whatever uh, mantises or, you know, dragonflies that you wanted, that means that there's going to be less mantises and less dragonflies in the wild in your backyard that are going to take care of other pests that you're not really super fond of. Um, so, yeah, I was going to volunteer to help. <laughs> oh, I thank you, Mantis Garden. I appreciate that. Trying to doing the best that I can at the moment. but. Um, yeah, so lose, losing a few points, <laughs> I don't know. Unfortunately, uh, Nat had another obligation that he was involved in. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> I did, I've, only, <laughs> I've only just got in, um, Leah, so, um, but I've listened to a little bit so far. It sounds like oh, yeah. you're having a really nice conversation at the moment. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think I've hit a couple of pretty decent points there and, you know, talking about kind of the natural habitats and why mm-hmm. it's, it's not so great for them to be wild caught, but I'm sure you've got a few really great insights in that. Well, have you covered the, the, the topic of um, just deforestation? So I like how much, yeah. But yeah, so, go right ahead. So sort of thinking about uh, when we think about the Pocotheria, for instance, Pocotheria metallica, um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a prime one, that they their numbers are dwindling in, um, yes. w- in the wild. And partly because they are pretty and blue and everyone wants one. Um, so people are going out and poaching them, um, which, you, you know, it, it, it's not a collection with a permit. It is poaching. So it's something that we really do need to take on board, isn't it? Um, Because if the wild species of the air of the animals of the area are taken out, um, there's no reason to um, there's no reason to preserve the natural habitat, which then gets taken over for extensive farming and things. Though there have Mm -hmm. been um, suggestions recently that they are adapting slightly to living in more built-up areas, but that's not really ideal. Um, mm. And something that I was reading the other day, which was even, which shocked me even more, was that it's not just taking the, um, it's not just taking the specimens out of the wild, but some people are leaving the specimens there, but taking the egg sacs. Mm. So, and those are the egg sacs that are there to sort of populate and. Um, keep everything going. I I see that um, Simon is saying it happened a few years ago with the orchid mantis. It became so popular that people were taking ooze from the wild, and the population mm-hmm. plummeted. And that and that's one of the that's one of the things is everyone wants that new exciting thing, don't they? Yes, absolutely. They, of they course. Want- they want that new exciting tarantula. I believe there was just a brand new one that's been discovered in the Amazon. Um, I haven't done any research on it yet, but everyone's going to want that. Now, yes. we don't know what that population size is. And mm-hmm. it's not just taking it from the wild for it is actually for our selfish benefit, isn't it? So a little. Um, I, I, I think we would be uh, Maris to say that. Um, that we haven't, no one has uh, dealings with wild caught tarantulas or um, mantis or any other invertebrates because they had to come from somewhere at the very beginning. Ooh. Um, but yeah. Shady, Shady Things also is saying that it's happening now with the Vietnam silver tarantula that they're taking mom and sacks yeah. from, from the wild. And that I agree that, that that can be devastating in that environment. But also the impact that it's having on the on the ecosystem themselves, like mm-hmm. they're they're within that ecosystem within the food chain, and they play a part on that. Whether we're taking monkeys or uh, mm-hmm. mantis, it's it's going to impact, and yeah. you, you might end up with an outbreak of another more under undesirable. Um, invertebrate that's maybe eating crops and things when you're taking these these things out of the out, out of the wild absolutely so. yeah absolutely i think 
you know, captive bred, there's a lot, there's a lot of benefits to only purchasing from captive bred. Not only are you going to be supporting, you know, a local business to where you are or uh, like a national business, sometimes they're national, like fear not tarantulas. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're going to be supporting that business, but you're also going to be helping that conservation of that specific species because the more captive bred specimen that you buy the less that need to be poached from the wild if that makes sense yeah and and i i have to agree with with that it 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 does however i i always feel there is a a slight however on that people Mm. do want the big adult spider yes so it's like that confidence isn't it so about people having confidence to raise a sling and Mm -hmm. do that and lots of people well i I think we're within a culture where we're like now we want it now and we want this big beautiful (laughs) thing and and actually for me the hobbies taught me a lot of patience actually is me too i have have lots of tarantulas in my collection at the moment are like um the brazilian blue or you know like Mm -hmm. uh electric this and and uh (laughs) you know um yeah right colors that and they're all By brown Ruby at Simo- the moment. Simoroxigorum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> um, but you know, but they're all brown at the moment, and people are like, oh, you know, it, it, it is that, and and I don't know how we get over that hurdle. Um, it's difficult because I do think that a lot of beginners come into the hobby and they kind of think, well, a little tiny thing, you know they might get one or two little tiny slings or something like that. And they find it to be very difficult. Um, But it's, it's kind of ironic because if you are doing that research, if you are kind of following what the hobby does and just kind of where we go with everything, then it doesn't have to be so difficult. So just kind of keeping up with that education really, really helps along with, with the hobby and, and, and ensuring that, uh, species longevity um, because if it disappears in the wild then it's going to disappear from the hobby it's, it's actually, just a matter of yeah it is a matter of fact isn't it, it you mm-hmm. know and and when we think about uh breeding um I, I i could be wrong leah but please do correct me if i'm wrong but sure. or, or the chat as well is i've read that um through uh generational breeding that um that they become less fertile as well. So through gen- through generations and, and, and generations, but I'm not. No, that sure actually that. kind of makes sense because we even see that in, um, you know, canines. You get all these uh, like domesticated and, and well, they call them designer dogs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's because, you know, if you have a poodle that is pure blood poodle and all these things, eventually those poodles can't, reproduce quite as well as they had you know when they first kind of showed up Mm -hmm. um so diversifying those bloodlines is definitely necessary but as i said before i think that it's it's better left to those breeders to the people who are providing those captive bred uh specimen in the hobby most most definitely and and i i heard what you were saying before i came on you know there is definitely a place for for wild cool with a license, not poaching, you know, it's a license right. to do it to um, to get that done. I don't know about you, Leah, but I have had people messaging me. So they'd be messaging Somerset Spiders. Uh-huh. Hi, would you like some black tarantulas? Um, okay, <laughs> you know, having conversations. Uh, and it was like, 
yeah, so I have loads in my village in India, and it's like, yeah, we can't really do that, can we? Yeah, we're not doing. <laughs> so it, it's I have like, it. With, 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 with a license and, and things like that but oh, yeah. so I, I find it very interesting that uh, say other in, invertebrates such as scorpions and centipedes are generally wild cool I've heard that um, too I have heard that although I know that there are quite a few uh, species of like scorpions that are that do really well being captive bred and um, I think the giant Asian forest scorpion is one of them that does really well in, in captivity, and it also does really well being captive bred. Um, I know I've seen lots of captive bred spe specimen here in the States. I'm not really sure about the UK, but uh, yeah, I mean, some species of scorpion, I, I, I like to think them as, as kind of like orb weavers, yeah. orb weaver spiders don't always do very good in captivity so they're kind of just better left alone um but they are gorgeous and they're beautiful it's just we can't really provide them the space and uh, uh basically the the environment that they would actually really need to thrive so orb weavers tend to not do very well at all in captivity no. so yeah kerry's yeah. got a very very good question um sort of thinking do you think yeah. that um that it can have an opposite effect, like where we see invasive species like the Chinese mantis. Um, I, I think there is lots of issues around that, isn't there, about when, we, when we're talking about brown boxing. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Is this about brown boxing today, Leah, or is it more wild caught? It's, it's more, brown box. I haven't touched both. brown boxing totally, okay. but yeah, yeah, we got all of it. <laughs> I, I, I think like uh, smuggling, hey? Yes. So smuggling, you're gonna. There is there's possibilities of having invasive species mm -hmm. coming into the country. There might be a reason. So if we look at the border controls in Australia and New Zealand, like mm -hmm. that's so strict. They are incredibly um, strict. Yes. But there is reasons behind that because it does impact the ecosystem. And, it does. Um, Simon might have something to say on this, but it's a bit like the. Um, I know he's written a book about hedgehogs, so he might know about squirrels, but it's a bit like in England with the grey and red squirrels. Uh -huh. So the grey squirrels are in an invasive species that have effectively kicked the red squirrels off the land as such. So oh, no. and that and that can be transferred over into um into invertebrates, can't it? So you're Absolutely. Gonna, there's always a battle for resources for food, mm -hmm. um, all of those sorts of aspects and yeah. when we think about like invasive species like i don't know whether brown boxing could increase it could increase the likelihood of an invasive species but that's when you come down to having a irresponsible keeper who might release mm -hmm. them into the wild mm -hmm. um, like the uh, green anoles in florida actually and yeah. burmese python um you know a couple of irresponsible owners and you know, maybe they just didn't want that specimen for whatever reason, and then they release it into the wild, and now it has, it has just rendered havoc all throughout that environment. Mm -hmm. um, especially with the the green anoles have actually and, knocked out brown anoles, and the iguanas as yep. well. Yep, iguanas. Um, yep, and parrots and things. <laughs> but uh, right. a, a, I think a very valid point though is that lots of people don't know mm -hmm. that. 
they are breaking the law when they get something brown boxed to them because mm -hmm. they may not even know it's being brown boxed. So, for instance, I know that in the States, you can only send live animals through UPS or UPS mm -hmm. or FedEx, one, one of them. FedEx. Uh, and yeah. you, uh, there is a law against sending venomous creatures through uh, your mail system. Um, so they can't be, it can't be sent through the post, but you might right. get sellers who will go, Hey, it's a bit cheaper. I'll send it through the post and, and, things. Right. And, and, and it's sort of, but it's when you get people maybe buying stuff from the States. So they might go onto a rack boards for, that, mm -hmm. for instance. Um, and there might be, uh, let's pick on a country. Let's pick on, I don't know, Spain. There's someone in Spain saying I ship, uh, tarantulas worldwide. And what they'll do is they will just send them through the normal post system. So there's a couple yeah. of risks there, isn't there? So you've got yeah. the risk of the animal dying. Yeah. <laughs> the risk of... Because Spain to, to yeah. Massachusetts is going to be at least a month or two <laughs> yeah, ride. Exactly. Even if it's air mailed over and mm -hmm. everything, there is the possibility of you getting a really big fine for mm. receiving a parcel with animals in that hasn't been declared because it has to go through all the, the right things. There's also the possibility, and it sort of goes back onto the wild court topic mm -hmm. as well. There is the possibility of introducing a disease into your collection. So and uh, that, could, yes. that could be something like um, nematodes, let's say. So Right, or, or, or a specific of kind of... Parasitic mites. Right, right, right. And who knows, because that sometimes you don't know, like those mites could also affect, you know, say it's affecting your tarantula that you got brown boxed, but it also could affect your reptiles. It could possibly affect your, you know, cats and dogs. So you just don't know what kind of parasites are in there and what could possibly cause damage. I do know that here occasionally we, we have bananas shipped in from like Costa Rica and, uh, you know, places where the bananas are native. And so uh, along with bananas, we also get little hitchhikers like um, banana spiders or the Brazilian yeah. wandering spider. I've heard of, of these guys coming into the States only because they were hiding among, among the bananas and then boom, there they are. Yeah, we actually had a local supermarket closed down in the UK just the other day. Uh, I think the headline was quite funny. It was uh, yes. store closed down, fear of um, spider that can cause permanent erection, which is one of the. I saw one of the that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, um, to be, and I, to be fair, I was laughing, I, but I would really like some of my own bananas from that shop just for the spider. <laughs> just um, for the no spider. No, no other reason. Uh, right. But, you, you know, we actually do see it on some of the chat groups as people will get uh, they'll buy some bananas and they'll. Mm -hmm. They'll have um they'll have, they have a, one a, of those an egg sack on it. No, no, no spiders, but the, no egg sack. But also uh, uh. Simon's put a really interesting comment in the there. Um uh. is about um breeding to a point so they're booming in a capt captivity okay. to a point where they can be released back into the wild. See, now, and that is that is something that I actually really agree with. Um, because that's, I, I almost, I wonder if this is something that we could do with the post-Litheria Metallica, um, because its numbers are so, so low. 
Um, but we have an, an abundance of them here in, in the hobby. And so I always wonder that, like, could we take half of a sack and just put it in the wild? <laughs> but I'm not well, sure. Uh, Bugs in cyberspace, he does that, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. I believe so. So um, he's one of the sort of, he's he's really into uh, sustainability and things. And he does wildcat wild sell wild caught tarantulas um but he has big breeding projects where he releases half the sack always mm -hmm. back into the wild which i think is brilliant but i think he's I th he's probably not the only one but in my mind he's the only one that actually does that who's very vocal about it mm -hmm. and i think it's a brilliant idea but i think there is a barrier to it leah and i think mm. the biggest barrier to it is money I agree. So, so when people go, oh, well, I've got a sling, and I, I don't know, how much is a, how much would a Pocothera Metallica be, be for you guys um, over there? Right now, it depends on where you go, but usually you can get them for about 150 to 250 for a sling. Yeah, so that's actually quite a lot. It is. Money. Yes. So when people are doing that, and, and I have been, you know, I've been listening to Tom Rang quite a lot, um, mm -hmm. as always, in the car. And it just ponder through my head sometimes. It's like, is there not anything we can do where there's like a breeding project where these numbers are dwindling, mm -hmm. where we can put them back in? But then, then you're going to have to be thinking about having like a protected area. So we, you know, like a nature right. reserve, things like that. Well, because kind of... it, it, in a couple of years, people are just going to take them out again, which would be an issue. Possibly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, for that to be um, effective, I think that it would have to be localized. Like, so for me here in Colorado, um, say I had an Afana palmahensi, which is a native species here, um, the best way to kind of help that would, would just do it locally. So if you know, like you in the, in the UK, you guys get those, um, they're called ladybird spiders, yeah. or they're a type of velvet spider. Um, and they actually were, they were thought to be extinct um, until they were found. But because, because the hobby is what it is, they are, they are pretty abundant, if you will, in the hobby. Yeah. And so, um, you know, say if you had a couple of, of the ladybird velvet spiders, you know, it's possible if you had a sack, you could release part of that sack mm -hmm. and help those, um, those numbers, if you yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it with black widows, and <laughs> you know, I, if if I find a black widow and or like a jumping spider, um, I I will, you know, if, if they are already bred or if they're already like gravid, then for the most part, I only keep a couple for my own breeding project, but I release the rest, and I don't really go too far because they're pretty much all over the place. So, um, I have a couple of jumping spider sacks that I released really close to my home um, because the, I find them all the time, all over the place. So, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, yeah. And I, and I doubt that you, you know, in your state, you're lacking of spiders. Um, I think, it, mm. I, I, I think it seems to happen more so as well in more impoverished areas. Um, mm. mm -hmm. So, and, and that's when we start thinking about Brazil, Mexico, um, Sri Lanka, certain, Sri Lanka yeah. uh, certain parts of um, India and Europe. So mm -hmm. it's, 
you know, you can see why people do it. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's a big craze. They're going to make a quick couple of bucks. I think one of the really right. really big issues with it as well, though, is they're going around collecting all of these spiders, and by the time they're shipped over, let's say you spend, um, it doesn't even have to be spiders, mantis as well, anything. You mm -hmm. you put them in. Let's say you send a hundred items over, you're gonna get about a thirty percent death rate. Anyway, oh yeah, through, just from the trip alone. From the trip through stress, dehydration, all this. Because right. lots of these people as well don't know how to properly pack them. Right. So that's that's another thing. I agree. No. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's it's tough out there. I mean, we. I think the the more captive bred we can do, the better. Mm. Um, but I do agree. I think uh, there's a really great quote that says. Uh, desperation is the mother of all crime. So, yeah. and when we're talking about brown brown boxing and poaching, it is a crime, you know. Yeah. And so, in these you know impoverished places, then then there is a lot of desperation. So, it's it just kind of leads to that, unfortunately. So I yeah. agree with you. You uh, you know, and and as as Simon has said as well. Uh, they get a week's worth of wages for uh, uh, an oof. It's a no, as he says, it's a no-brainer. But I, th I think we just need to be sort of responsible in the hobby and trying to express that we need to, you know, we we need to preserve this hobby. And mm -hmm. one, have you touched on why another reason why brown um wild court and brown boxing might be bad if we start thinking about the wildlife federation agencies and stuff and what they might do no i haven't so 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 if we were to think about it yeah everyone's going out making you know picking up uh mantis and uh millipedes centipedes all of this kind mm -hmm. of thing and taking them from a country but it, it, it is a crime, as you said, and it filters into a crime. And like mm -hmm. we see it quite a lot with um, Brazil closing their borders right. down to any imports or exports um, right. of animals. Um, it happened a bit in Mexico for a while, I believe. A yeah, couple of years Mexico is to, they um, are definitely going uh, in that direction. There are there's lots of those restrictions that are getting put down. And then what happens? Mm -hmm. uh, luckily in europe it's not as bad over here um i know within the states it is a state by state as well so some states you're not even allowed to transfer a pokeless area over state lines right. um yeah. and i believe the postalotheria miranda is one yeah. and the vitata i believe yeah. those two are are very hard to get your hands on them <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if they're and... not within your own state so Exactly. And what can happen is you'll end up just having what you can have in your own state because mm -hmm. also you, you're going to need a big spider community um, within your state mm -hmm. to uh, make it worth even breeding a, a spider. And then so people are going to stop doing that. And then it's, you know, it is going to dwindle. And, but it's really hard to sort of measure with the invert hobby not just tarantulas but just the invert hobby in itself growing it, absolutely. I, it is it is growing and growing and growing it's absolutely bonkers how fast it's growing well the uh, demand is exceeding the the uh supply 
Yeah. And so and that's, that's once again wild court go, goes back to wild court again, doesn't it? And yes, it's, it's tricky. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a pretty pretty big topic. There's a lot to it. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to hear from other people and what they think about it and kind of uh, see if there's there's ideas of things that we can do within the hobby that help that conservation and help those specimen in the wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very dangerous, I think for, for wild caught specimen, mostly, you know, the parasites, the, the habitat loss, the, it, you don't know exactly how old that specimen is or how, you know, how it has fared in the wild. You don't know the, the history I behind it. I hear that quite a lot with scorpions, actually. People will have them and mm. and, and they'll pass within six months or yeah. or so and they'll pop it onto a group and people will be like, that you got sold a, a really old scorpion from the drone, <laughs> you don't know how old it is and Right. It just, right, it, right. It, it feeds into it. Yeah, it's wild. So and I believe Simon was saying that the uh, velvet spiders are super protected over there. So um he says that if you actually even touch one, <laughs> they're extremely protected. So, yeah, and and that makes sense. You know, I do I do think that uh, all creatures, you know, have a a impact on their environment. They have you know a, a role that they play mm -hmm. in their in their natural habitat. And so, by taking the specimen out of the wild, you are going to be impacting their role they're you're going to be basically limiting uh their reach um and that can be you know really bad for that ecosystem yeah, so. yeah most definitely and there, there are things that we can do as responsible invert keepers mm -hmm. as well so one of the suggestions would be if you're looking to buy a spider a mantis a, a vampire crab even Right. Ask, ask the seller where where they're from. So right. a responsible seller should be able to tell you um, where they're from, whether they are captive bred or wild caught, mm -hmm. um, and they shouldn't have an issue with telling you where they're from either. Uh, right. Sometimes it's a bit tricky because you might have someone that's um, bought into an import and, and and doing that, but generally they would still know. Um, it's the people that are just trying to sell you stuff, um, yeah, uh, over Facebook Messenger. <laughs> when you yeah, get, right. Like, these messages. Um, I'm actually yeah. getting them at the moment, but people going, "Oh, my friend bought this off of you," but I think it's a scam because I don't sell anything. But um, yeah, it, it's about just asking those questions. No one, no one really minds if they're, you know, if they're reputable sellers, they they won't mind at all. Right, right, right. And then, you know, I. I agree with you on that for sure. If if there's somebody who's out there who has, you know, they're a rep reputable seller, they're doing their captive bread, you know, they'll they'll be very upfront with that and they'll be, you know, proud of that because I do agree that that's something that is definitely something to be proud of. Um, but if they are shady about it, if they're not really forthcoming or if they're just not, you know, then be wary of that. Be wary of that dealer. Absolutely. <laughs> it looks like shady things and uh <laughs> Simon or they're talking about buying mantises from one another, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
wonderful. Yeah. What a wonderful chat. So, but if people do want to buy Mantis in the UK, um, hit Simon up from the Mantis Garden. He, from the Mantis Garden, yeah. He doesn't just sell Mantis. He has many other things, and he, he'll even sell you a tarantula. He'll probably sell you Liliana's tarantulas to get out of the house, <laughs> but uh, just don't tell her. <laughs> right. Uh, but Simon, I, I've had some Mantis from Simon, and they're absolutely fantastic. So he, he's a really reputable person to buy them from because he's done live streams of him actually breeding his mantis and things. So we know where they come from, um, which yes. is good. I'm, I'm pretty jealous of you guys over in the UK, to be honest, because you have a whole invert show. Whereas here in the States, it's kind of gets lumped in with the reptile expos and, and shows. And so um, I don't I'm not sure that invertebrates here are as uh popular or is that as like established if you will as mm. they are in the in the uk so you know i think i know of like one one place where you can get really great captive bred mantises and that would be usmantis.com um okay. and they do captive bred they have their own i know micro wilderness does some mantises too but um yeah it's it's tough it's tricky it's tricky to find good ones yeah, so. but you've got you have got some brilliant uh, sellers and breeders in the states for oh yeah for, for yeah. your inverts, haven't you? So absolutely, yeah, yeah, yep. Love it. Thank you so much for popping on. No worries. I was, I was, I think I was drowning. <laughs> I, uh, I think you did really well. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, brilliant. <laughs> um and i'll just do a little plug for anyone that listens afterwards but if people wanted to get a tarantula that's not uh wild caught they can go mm -hmm. to the spider shop uk um, and that's the spidershop.com and use mm -hmm. code somerset to get a cheeky little discount so awesome i wonder if that does nice. that extend uh, does that extend here in the US? Because I know the spider shop is here as well. No, so you're you've got the spider shop. It's got like an extra P or an extra O in it. This right. Is, it's like this is the spider shop UK. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, two two different companies. Two different. Companies. Yeah. Yeah, they've got like an extra P in the spider shop. I think in your spider they do. Shop. Like PPE. Yeah. Something like that. Because the spider shop UK was set up for the US one. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I know I think that we are also we also still have that 25% off of rubber ducky if you just Oh yeah. type in uh inverticast 25 at rubber ducky isopods. Yeah. So we still have we still I think there's a little bit more time on that one. So don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. Well, thank you Leah. Absolutely. Thank you, Nat. And no thank you, everyone, for watching. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.